Hey everyone, Vicky McLeod here. Welcome back to the podcast. This time, John Singleton and I are debriefing 22.3, chatting about the leaderboard and the quarterfinals process. As always, there's a lot to say, so let's get to it. Welcome to the Europe is Coming podcast, taking you inside the minds of Europe's best CrossFit athletes and the people behind them. Welcome back, John, to Europe is Coming. It is a very gloomy Tuesday afternoon here in Mallorca. It's normally sunny and lovely, but today we are enjoying a bit of rain, where I am anyway, and... um, it's well, it's time to talk about 22.3 and how you guys got on um, in SU23 with the last of the open tests. Yeah, well, um, thank you for having me back. Um, it's been, uh, you know, it's nice to have finished the first stage in essence. We've just finished first stage of 2022 season. It came and went very quickly. Um, you know, everyone got through, which is it, it is good. You know, sometimes if there's an injury at this time of year, it's not 100% guaranteed that you will make it, even though there's very large percentages of people uh, moving on. So we're all through to the next stage, which is going to happen very quickly. I mean, in essence, it's in like nine days, basically. Um, we will we will have the, we're starting the quarterfinals, and we hope that by this weekend we even know the workouts. What are your thoughts on twenty two point three and the and the test for the for the for the athletes? I think it made it into a very balanced or a more balanced open. You know, they included the squatting pattern movement in there and pulling gymnastics. And so, you know, I think for me, I think that the open was well programmed for what it needed to achieve. Uh, in the sense that you know it didn't have to be complex. You know, I, I really don't. I I prefer it as um, I think as a spectator, coach, and uh, an athlete myself is keeping it simple and and gym owner because that makes life a lot easier for the for the gym owners out there. And as you know, as we see in the leaderboard, even when you keep it simple, the uh, the best still do well. God, don't the best, they? <laughs> the, yeah. The best, the best still do the best. So, you know, even when the test is simple, the fittest still emerge as the fittest. Yeah, I mean, that's a very good point. The, um, the leaderboard, especially on the women's side, is really amazing with um, Mal-, Mal O'Brien sitting in first place, unofficially first place at the moment because obviously they haven't confirmed everything. She got first, second and second. And... <laughs> I don't, we we spoke before about how you don't really need to prove anything in this stage of the open, of the um, of the process to get to the CrossFit game. So, what's your thinking around? Was that she just went for it, or it was just it's just who she is, or what is it? Why is she why is she's on top of the leaderboard with such incredible results? Well, so interestingly, she was high up on the leaderboard last year as well. Um. So it's not the first time it's happened, but obviously with her finish at the Games, you know, she uh, quite seemingly rightly deserved the, the nickname of the, the Dragon Slayer or the Queen Slayer at the Games after beating Tyr on Friday night. And, you know, is it relevant to the rest of the season? No. But is it a statement 
for the rest of the season, yes. And you know, it's like, because really it is that battle of, for first, you know, she beat has beat Tia in the open, which is, you know, a legitimate CrossFit competition, even if it's done online. And the fact that she's 18 years old. I mean, it, it, it's ridiculous to think that she has a first, second, second in the in the open. I mean, you know, that is, it, it's pretty phenomenal. I mean, you just have to take your hat off at that kind of consistency. So, yeah, so I, I do I, yes, I think that that's the, the valid point. Do I think it's relevant for the rest of the season? No, not necessarily. Do I think it's a statement? Yes, absolutely. And also, you know, be it that, you know, athletes have approached the Open uh, differently now because it doesn't necessarily um, directly qualify you to the Games. Um, however, I think it's important that if you're very far off the time, you know, it should open a question in your, in your head of like, am I in the right shape now? And, and, you know, and I, I think it is, you know, even if you've not taken it seriously, even if you've done it as your third workout of the day, you know, even if you've walked through it, you, you kind of have to ask yourself a little bit of the question, you know, if I'm significantly behind someone in this workout, why is that? You know, because that person may have been training through the day. That person might not have repeated. And I, I believe that certain athletes can sometimes use it as a bit of an excuse, you know, like a, a, a mental excuse, you know, I'm not high up on the leaderboard because I didn't try. And, and I think that's kind of the wrong attitude to have. I do believe that when you go for the workout, you should give it your rule because it's going to give you a really good reference point. You know, how good are you at deadlifts and burpees compared to the rest of the world? Um, and, and, you know, and it, when, when do you get to answer those questions normally? It's a perfect time to, uh, to find out where you stand. And Tia, Tia Claire Toomey has come in second, having just come back off bobsled training. So she, ha she herself said that she hadn't been doing CrossFit recently, and she's second. Now, this, this yeah, is extraordinary. It, she also said, you know, she put on like 10 kilos of, um, of body weight, presumably, you know, basically an all-in lean muscle. And she's like, ah, oh, you know, it's such a disadvantage. I'm like, <laughs> no. Mm, Honestly, <laughs> put, putting, yeah, putting 10 kilos of lean muscle on as a disadvantage, I really, you know, I'm struggling to see that. Because <laughs> she's tiny anyway, you know. Mm. She's not like one of the bigger athletes on the field. So, you know, my kind of thinking tier with 10 kilos of lean muscle more is like uh, kind of a different level of tier, you know. It's bionic to me. The, and then after that, we have Hayley Adams, who's third, but because of the points, she just it just looks like such a huge gap between her and the first two, but she's still in third place. It's, she got 38 points, the other two got seven and five. Laurie Clement, who's they, um, like from one extreme to the other, as we were saying the other day with the, the age range, she's um, a 35-year-old athlete, and she's in fourth place. And Brooke Wells, who's recovering from a horrific elbow injury is in fifth it's an amazing lineup for the the top five in the open it's really brilliant and i'm exciting for the the next stage as well the reason that the malantia thing is so significant is because as you notice like you say you jump down to third and um, Haley has 38 points mm -hmm. 
you know, Mal and Tia have five and seven points. I mean, the trouble is this year's Open has very few uh, scored events. So it only has three scored events, which I believe is like one of the lowest um, ever. And therefore, being in single digits is more likely. However, this must be the lowest number of points any athlete has, has basically ever had. Um, for winning the Open. So, you know, like hats off, 18 years old, lowest number of points ever. It makes a big, like I said, big statement going into the season. Um, and, and I presume should the, this kind of pattern emerge, it will be like Tia Mao will be the big story kind of going into the year until the other contenders um, start to put their, kind of throw their names in the hat, so to speak. As a young athlete, how do you think she's keeping her head together whilst all of everybody around her is talking about what a great result she's had? Well, I think it's very significant. You know, she's 17, 18 years old. She just made a move from her hometown to, in essence, move in with, um, move in with Fraser. So it's a complete change of environment. A huge amount of pressure, you know. I don't think... I don't think people understand the difference going from underdog to favorite and how quickly that merges. You know, all of a sudden, Mal is no longer this underdog. She's now like a competitor to be one of the best. Whereas last year, she came in, in essence, unknown. You know, a few good results, but she wasn't like she is in now. So within a year, she's gone from this underdog position to competitor position. And not all athletes handle that transition very well. Some athletes love being the underdog, love being unknown, love having the odds stacked against them and, and people saying, oh, you're not going to be able to do it. It really fuels their fire. And so it would be interesting to see, you know, is it like a very natural progression for her to go from this unknown into relatively famous or does it have some kind of um, impact on her performance? The um, We've watched... People in the past, for example, Laura Horvath, who had an incredible result at the 2018 Games when she came second. And then as as when an interview I did with Christoph, we spoke about afterwards how much pressure was piled upon her so quickly and how it had a big impact on, on her athletic career. So I hope that I hope everyone's ready for those sorts of things. It's hard to prepare for. It's hard to prepare for, but ultimately it's part of the the package, you mm. know? If you want to be the best, well, you know, there's a lot of things that come with that title. And so actually being able to handle that responsibility is part of being a true champion. And that's why the Fronings, the Frasers, the Toomeys have done so well, because they've handled this... Uh, this pressure of, of being out in front. Let's look at the, the male leaderboard at the moment. The first, the top five are all Americans. Uh, Saxon Panchik, Matt Poulin, Justin Medeiros, Colton Mertens and Phil Toon. And then in sixth place, we have our first European, who's Victor Longdoll, who is um, relatively unknown, actually, compared to the, the top five. So it's been uh, a great open for him. What do you think about the results so far over there? You know, I I think that it is probably representative of where the sport is in terms of, you know, the the female leaderboard. We have varying flags all over the place in the top 10. 
and in essence, we in the male side we have one European, one Canadian, and and one Australian. Mm. The rest all being being American. So, I think it's a good representation that the males, American males, have been very dominant and continue to be, with a few other nations dotted around there. Whereas in the US, it tends to be. Um, female athletes from outside the US doing well, Mal O'Brien now being the uh, one of the exceptions there. So, you know, I, I don't, this leaderboard, for example, you know, if you're going to kind of try to compare them side by side, like, okay, let's take Madeiras. I mean, amazing finishes, fifth, 19th, seventh. However, you know, when you look at it compared to Tier and Mal, it's really hard to be impressed, <laughs> you know? Like, and this is what I mean. Saxons come in with 25 points. Mal had five points. So there's, there's, Saxon has five times as many points in order to win the Open. Mm. And so when you look at the two leaderboards, it's, it, the relativeness of them, it becomes a lot harder to be impressed by the male side than the female side because you had those two dominant performances. This is not taking away anything from the males. And there's certain arguments, for example, that there's maybe more depth as you get into the hundreds of thousands of athletes on the male side than there is on the female side. Therefore, it's maybe easier to take steps in performance. Um, and there's those kind of arguments that come in. However, you know, I, I think it's an interesting one. I also think it's interesting that Saxon repeated a workout. Did he? Which one? Yeah, so... Uh, because him and Madeiras went head-to-head mm. um, in 22.2. Mm-hmm. And he did it again after. Yeah, Madeiras won, Saxon redid, and got a better time, which is in essence bumped him to, to first place. And I think a lot of people will go probably ask, well, what was the need for that? You already had a good time. Why did you want to redo? We don't know necessarily the answers. I mean, it's got him winning the Open, which is $20,000. You know, that's uh, a significant amount of money, which will helping through the season and he's also got a little bit of uh, an accolade of having won the open so th- there are obviously some positives in there but a lot of athletes don't go out to win the open because it you don't know what's going to come up and the chances of you being able to win it are are minimal because specialist workouts when they they come in they can knock you down the, the leaderboard a lot of athletes use the open as part of their quarterfinals prep as in they're using it as that one of the workouts that they would do in like a simulation, don't they? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It, it also because, you know, like I said, it basically the semi-final, uh, quarter-finals is in essence a week away. So if you didn't prep for it during the, the Open, then you have no time to be ready for the quarter-finals. What's the process now for your guys? I mean, they, they've, they've done really well. They've placed... Um, I mean, Gabby came in 11th overall, which is super good as well. So, and the, the camp must be feeling pretty excited about the next stage. So, what are you, what are you guys doing now, getting ready for next weekend? So, uh, Jack and Gabby will, in essence, be training as normal. They, we will have, you know, a slightly bit of rest before the weekend. Just because it's going to be six workouts, it'll all be quite high intensity, so we don't want them super tired. Um, and then Christoph will go into a bit more of a peak. So he'll have his last big week of training this week, go into more of a peak before next week. And uh, in order to be 
as prepped as possible for the quarters. How does it, what's the process from the point of view of the athletes? I mean, they receive, they must, they know unofficially that they are into the next stage, but do they receive confirmation from HQ? How does it work? You'll get an email to pay more money. So if you, if you get an email to pay more money, you're, you're through. It's like, yeah, congratulations, pay us $50 and you can compete in the next stage. (laughs) Okay, it always comes down to the bottom line, doesn't it? Um, And then when do you hear the workout? Do you think you'll know the workouts by the weekend? Yeah, so so depending on when we know the workouts affects training quite a lot because Mm. if we know the workouts within time, we can practice some of them. If we don't know any of the workouts within time, uh, we can't practice any of them. So, so it does start to have an impact now. Like, for example, if we hear them, uh, let's say on Saturday, we might have the opportunity to practice one or two. But if we don't hear until, say, Tuesday in a week's time, we probably won't have the opportunity to practice any of them. And would that be a strategic um, move from CrossFit HQ not to tell you in, in advance, far, that far in advance, do you think? Yeah, I think it's become kind of the cool thing to do. Not cool thing, but kind of becomes CrossFit's style of keeping this unknown. Everyone gets excited. Everyone asks the questions. And I think they like that. The only thing is from our side is logistically, uh, not looking even at athlete performance, but just, you know, how do we, how do we plan the quarterfinals because we will probably have around 15 athletes doing the quarterfinals and so we we will need to close the gym um to facilitate that or at c23 and that starts to become a, a concern that we want to try and try and adjust you know can we you know, how many GHDs are we going to need? How many ropes are we going to need? How many judges are we going to need? Is it only six workouts? Is it eight workouts? Is it four? So all these kind of unknowns, although they, you know, not even looking at athlete performance, just looking at logistical things, it would be nice to know, even the, the structure, so we could help plan with members, the gym. And, and this case will be relevant across a lot of CrossFit gyms where athletes because it's not just one workout a day, it'll probably be multiple. They'll need to plan in good times that they can, can do these two workouts. And that obviously affects members. Most you know, gyms are really there as a, a business and, and so they don't want to make members unhappy, etc. So there's all these kind of little side things that, that come into play now with the online competitions. The, um, the equipment list, I'm just looking at it now for the quarterfinals, there was... 30 feet of flat space. What does that say to you? Uh, nine meters, which, which means there may, there'll be move, like a distance of something, be it handstand walk, be it lunges, be it running, mm. burpee broad jumps, you know, it could literally be anything um, through. But, but it probably means that there'll be some kind of, of moving. You know, we've seen handstand walking, we've seen lunges. So those are things I think we can expect. And the the thing that was really missing from the open was any kind of Olympic lifting. So I imagine we must see some of that in the quarterfinals. I imagine we're going to see a um a big lift, yes. Well, we should hopefully know soon. 
Um, I, 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 there's obviously a lot of things that are missing from the open in terms of programming. Mm. But I personally think that's okay, just because you know we've got so many stages now that you know the more advanced stuff can be now tested in in a, in the quarterfinal environment. Be that a heavy snatch, heavy clean, and honestly, even though members enjoy going through these heavier lifts, you know a lot of the time people aren't necessarily ready for these uh, these heavier big lifts, and it's like so putting it in the open. I, I think as just a general safety measure, you know, doing box step downs instead of box jump downs. I think it. I think the idea of trying to make the open accessible to all is a really good idea. And I think that when you, if you go to quarterfinals, yeah, sure, you know, then you can lift heavier weights, do all these different things because you should have some foundation. The um, the ten percent of the people that have gone through to the quarterfinals, I hope that they are feeling excited and proud of themselves, because it's uh, it's going to be exciting next weekend to see that what the tests are. I, on the other hand, came eighty three thousandth, so I'm good. <laughs> I'm not okay, that's that's uh, rock and roll, and like you say, you know, getting in, being top ten, being top ten percent is. is a huge achievement mm, you know there's it. hundreds of thousands of people who do the open so you know just knowing that you can be in the top 10 percent is is very good you know you probably you you probably have a great level of fitness mm. uh, and i think that the crossfit is starting to introduce this level system yeah i don't really know much about it yet i saw a little information but i mean how it's going to work for uh, us mere mortals well, one of the big things is that, and this has always been the case, is how do you, when you plan a CrossFit competition, what are, or how do you categorize a level of CrossFit athletes? Yeah. And a lot of people within the sport have done it. There's been games level athletes, regional level athletes, and then open level athletes. It's kind of been the, so if you're games level, you're one of the best in the world. If you're regional level, you're one of the best on your continent. And then the open really is just a bit of a mix of, of everyone. And this leveling system would mean that a competition could say, okay, we're opening this up to level four athletes. And therefore, you know that if you go to that competition, you'll be competing against people of similar fitness to yourself. And it makes it more exciting because if you put a games and open athlete together, there's obviously no... Um, it doesn't make it into that necessarily fun competition because the games athletes obviously so much better. So I think it's just more of um, a way of allowing both organizers and athletes to enter into competitions, knowing that the level will be, well, there will be a, um, a kind of level you can follow. Well, I'm, um, thank you very much for talking to me today, John. I'm, going to go and look at my level which i imagine would be disappointingly low but i shall struggle, struggle uh, well, I, luckily i don't I, i'm in the same boat but uh, i don't think they will be uh, be out there yet um so to ne next weekend we will be doing the quarterfinals at c23 and i shall see you then perfect see you then thank you john 
Coming up soon, I have a ton of new interviews to share with you with some pretty well-known athletes and some up-and-coming ones as well. I'm also going to be covering the quarterfinal process with the programme Athletes and Coaches and I'm branching out into talking to brands. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share with your friends. It all helps. Until next time, thanks for listening and bye-bye. Don't miss the next episode. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. Europe is Coming is a programme production and hosted by Vicky McLeod.